Hey there and welcome to Soul Church. Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life. You know, we've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. Probably the question I get asked more, more than any other question, people text me, message me, is what do you read? People are always fascinated what pastors read. So I thought I'd highlight two books that I'm reading at the moment. Um, two that some, it might help you, it might not help you. The first one I'm reading is The Intentional Father by Tyson. And that is a very, very challenging read in this day and age about raising children, young people. Um, I would highly recommend that book, The Intentional, uh, the Intentional Father for Dads. But it's also for mums as well, but it's really, really challenging um, about the influences that we have on our children and how to raise godly, godly kids. The second book, which is even more challenging, is this one, How to Break Up with Your Phone. <laughs> Some of you have never had a relationship with your phone, um, and you don't need to break up others of you. I'll read the first bit. It says, Dear Phone, I remember the first time we met. You were an expensive new gadget available only on AT&T and I was a person who could recite. Uh, Then I held you in my hands and things started to move fast. It wasn't long before we started doing everything together. Taking walks, having lunch with friends, going on vacations. At first it felt so strange that you wanted to come with me to the bathroom. But today it's just... (laughs) So if you want a book about breaking up with your phone... It's actually really, really good. It's very, very challenging. So the two areas I want to get better in is making more time for my children and making less time with my phone. So if you want to grow this year, read. Okay, you know, we all need to read. And of course we read the Word of God. It's the, it's the, it's the, the manuscript for our life, but there's some great, great material out there. So every so often when I read a good book, I'll let you know what it is. And I bought that for two quid off Amazon, second hand, okay? So you don't have to spend a lot of money on it. That's someone else's book that I bought, so you don't have to be spending a lot, so you can buy them second hand. And someone was trying to sell Unmasked for £18 on, on Amazon. What a little tinker. I know times are hard, but... All right, Foundations of Faith, part two. We talked about substance, fear of faith. What I'm standing on determines my stance. If you didn't get the message on Sunday, you can catch up. Um, so the Israelites, uh, they've been rescued after 400 years in slavery in Egypt, and they've walked through the Red Sea, and they've watched the Egyptian army drown in front of them. And that must have been terrifying, by the way. You know, just the humanity of that, that God's wrath would come down and to watch you know, hundreds of thousands of military men drown in front of you, it would have been a, it would have been a pretty messed up day. Um, and God's promised the Israelites their own nations 170 times in Scripture. 170 times that the Israelites were promised their own nation. And then Moses, they're parked, uh, they're parked on the other side of the Red Sea, and Moses sends 12 spies to look out on the land of uh, Israel, the promised land. And 12 men travel to exactly the same place. They see exactly the same thing. 
and two of them come back with a very different report to the other ten. The first report was from Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb in Numbers 13, 23 says, when they came to the valley of Eshkol, they cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes so large it took two of them to carry on a pole between them. That'd be good for the Daniel fast, wouldn't it? I mean, imagine grapes so large it took two, two grown men to carry them. That's, you wouldn't see that, wouldn't see that in Audi. And then it says, then Caleb quieted the people before Moses said, let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome. That was the first, that was kind of extracts of the first report from Joshua and Caleb. But the other 10 says the men who'd gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people. They are stronger than we are. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land, which they spied out saying, the land for which we have gone as spies is the land that devours its inhabitants and all the people whom we saw it uh, are of great stature. We saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, come from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. Joshua and Caleb came back from their mission with a giant-killing spirit. The other ten came back, I'm going to call it, with a grasshopping spirit. A grasshopper spirit. Um. And I think the challenge is for all of us, and many of us wrote on our God can't, you know, the things that have been challenging us. What do you do when God's promised you grapes, but you're staring at a giant and you're feeling like a grasshopper? Because there's no doubt about it, God's made promises to all of us. And there's things that we're believing for in our kids, in our lives, and they're grapes. And we're believing for the promised land. But the reality is we're staring at giants. You know, for us as a church, we're staring at giants with the new building. And there's times where you feel like a grasshopper. You feel like, what, what, what can we do? Um, and uh, for, uh, for me, even when I walk past the, the new building and it's whizzing around on the screen, sometimes I feel like a grasshopper. Because you think, oh my goodness, that is a huge giant. That's a giant, not just a financial giant. But you remember, it's not just building a building. We've got to fill it. We've got to pay the bills every month. We've got to trust God that we can put furniture in the rooms. And so it's not just, it, when every time I see that, it's like this is a giant and sometimes you can walk past. And I don't even want to look because you feel like a grasshopper in the sight of a giant. And I want to talk this morning on a giant killing spirit. I don't know what giant you face. I don't know what you put in your God can't box. But I want to talk today on a giant killing spirit. Because I believe 2022, God wants to give you a giant killing spirit. And uh, that's what we're called to live with. There's too many grasshopping spirits around, too many grasshopping Christians around, and God's called us to have a giant killing spirit. So I want to just show three steps from moving us from a grasshopper spirit to a giant killing spirit. God wants to fill you with a giant killing spirit. When you walk out of those doors... In uh, two or three hours' time, when I've finished, I want you to have a giant killing spirit. Number one. So the first one is, a giant killing spirit has a revelation of who God is. If you're going to take down giants this year, in your mind, if you're going to take down giants in your, in your health, the first thing you've got to do is have a full, true revelation of who God is. 
says that, verse 33, then we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our sight, and they were in our sight. Do you know these 10 spies? They had the wrong revelation of God. They compared themselves to grasshoppers. Who's ever compared yourself? It's easy to compare yourself. You can compare yourself to someone at work, compare yourself to someone in, 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 in your family, compare yourself. We're all comparing ourselves all the time. And the children of Israel, the, the, the ten spies, they compared themselves to grasshoppers. I mean, I've compared myself to other preachers, other dads. I mean, like Dave Field, Super Dad of the Year, 10 years running. But a grasshopper. Never compared myself to a grasshopper. But you see, the ten spies were ruled by how they viewed God and how they viewed themselves. And the first thing is how you view yourself. The way you view yourself is incredibly important to the quality of your life. If you see yourself as little old me or small you or you're not, you know, that will, that will change the quality of your life. And God wants you to remind you today that you're a child of God. You're a son. You're a daughter. You're an heir. You've been grafted in. You are blessed. You are favored. He wants to remind you of who you are in Christ. You cannot take on a giant killing spirit until you understand who you are in Christ how we view ourselves. You know, our perception of ourselves can be affected by five things. They all begin with P. If you want to write these down, number one, our parents. Quality of your relationship with them, particularly as a child. Maybe they said words over you. Maybe they didn't say words over you. Maybe they, they, maybe they were at your, your kids' matches. Maybe they weren't at your kids' matches. All these things. Perception which can be affected by number one, your parents. Number two, your past. Maybe some of you have experienced divorce or abuse and all those things have affected how you view yourself. Your physique, the way you look, how you view yourself. The enemy, all kind of one of the things he wants to say is, why don't you look like that? Why don't you dress like this? Why don't you have that? Why, why can't you afford that? And it's constantly, because the enemy, he's a liar, he's a deceiver. The fourth is your performance, your career, your academically, all these things. It affects how you see yourself. And number five is your peers, those around you. You see, the, the ten spies were affected by how they saw themselves. The second thing they were affected by is How we view ourselves, and second is how others view us. How we're affected, it says, so we were in their sight. They were worried about what they felt like in their own sight. But, you know, in life, we become what we believe, don't we? We all become what we believe. And a person who believes they are, they are worthless will act in a manner with that belief. They will, they will act like they were worthless. But the person who believes that they are a child of God, Joshua and Caleb, believed. It was a belief system. They saw the same things. They smelt the same things. They felt the same things. It was a belief system that changed it. And so if you become what you believe, it's crucial that we examine this year what we believe about ourselves. We've got to keep continuing to believe 
to, to examine what we believe about ourselves. And changing our perception of our life begins by changing our perception of how God sees us, how we see ourselves, and how we perceive others see us. So a giant killing spirit, number one, has a revelation of who God is. Number two, a giant killing spirit tests the resources of heaven. Numbers 14, 7 says, The land we pass through to spy out is exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. What's it talking about? Resources of heaven. Joshua and Caleb said, hey, you know what? I want to test out these resources. F.B. Mayer, the famous theologian, said this. He said, you do not test the resources of God until you try the impossible. 2022 is a year for you and for the church, but I want to make this personal, for you to test the resources of heaven. You know, Joshua and Caleb, the other 10, they were quite happy. In fact, they wanted to go back to Egypt. But Joshua and Caleb said, no, 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 there's big grapes there. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. We want to test the resources of heaven. And this year, I want to encourage you, don't listen to the lie of lack. God wants to prosper you. Turn to the person next to you and say, God wants to prosper you. I'm not just talking about materialism, money. I'm talking about your health, your marriage. God wants to prosper you. But you've got to test the resources of heaven. Chantal and I, we tested the resources of heaven during half the house. We had a miracle out of the blue. Out of the blue. We tested the resources of heaven. And God said, I want, to, I want to show you milk and honey. But you can never test God's resources until you're prepared to die to the lie of lack. And, you know, I, I, I was thinking as I laid in bed putting this together last night, all the times we tested the resources of heaven in this church. First one was this youth hall. Took an offering up in the first first six weeks of the church when we took it over in 2014 we took an offering 54,000 pounds and we built all this storage we put carpet in we put the sound system the screen everything you're enjoying today was because we tested the resource of heaven in 2014 and then I thought we tested the resources of heaven with Godwin's house we were knocked back six times and on the seventh time they gave it to us for free (laughs) Havers Road where we foundation how many meals have gone out there Sam 3.1 million tested the resources of heaven. Tested the resources of heaven. Said, "Can we, can we have this? Can we have this building? We haven't got any money for it." And the landlord said, "You can have it for two years." Tested the resources of heaven. The new building. We're testing the resources of heaven. We're testing whether there really is milk and honey. And every time we have a bill, the milk and honey is there. With this building, we want to actually keep this building now. Because it's a kingdom resource. But to do that, we're going to have to test the resources of heaven. But in your life, whenever you step out, here's the thing. You've got to test the resources of heaven. And the biggest giants, write this down, the biggest giants camp around the biggest harvests. The biggest giants 
camp around the biggest harvest. So of course there's giants. Of course people are attacking the church. People are attacking leadership. Because there's giants in front of harvests. If you want to harvest in your life, there's going to be a giant. So giant killing spirit, number one, understands who God is, has a revelation. Number two, has test the resource of heaven. And number three, which is I'm going to really zoom in on today, Giant killing spirit sees with a supernatural, not a natural eye. First sets of eyes with Joshua and Caleb's, they saw with supernatural eyes. The ten spies saw through eyes of fear. I want to read you the names of the ten spies who came back. Shaphat, Igor, Palti, that's not a curry. Gadiel, Shamu, that's not the whale. Gadi, Amiel, Sefer, Nabi, Gul. Has anyone remembered them? Has anyone even ever heard of them? Just to be honest, has anyone ever heard? No one remembers the negative guy. Staff, leaders, remember this. No one ever remembers a negative person. No one ever remembers someone who grumbles and brings back a negative report. Their names are listed in Scripture because it's historical records, but no one ever talks about them apart from the ten spies. Let me tell you, when you're cynical, when you're jaded, when you bring back a negative report, history will remove you. We've been talking about Joshua and Caleb for the last five, 6,000 years because they brought back a positive report. There's something about bringing a positive report to the table. And let me tell you, they had every reason to bring a negative report. They saw giants, they saw the challenges, they saw the same things, but they decided to see the good in the bad. And, uh, you know, people are talking about our church all over the world. People are talking about it. And one of the reasons they're talking about it is they're talking about, you're the church you refuse to close down. Now, you might not agree with that or disagree, it doesn't really matter. But the reality is, we made a decision, we're going to keep our doors open. People are now seeing that. Speaking to some people on Sunday going, people are beginning to see this now as a positive thing, that you guys, in a negative situation, were bringing a positive situation. And, uh, you know, no one remembers anyone in life who says it can't be done. No one remembers a leader who lives in fear. No one, if you want to be remembered in life, you've got to be remembered as a person who steps up, steps out, like Joshua and Caleb, and um, has a positive influence on the world. And so I, I, I'm, I'm committed as a church. We're going to keep moving forward, even through critics, even through people who point the finger. And we're going to be like Joshua and Caleb. And uh, people are going to talk about this church for generations. People are going to talk about you guys. Let me just give you a few reasons. Because what happens when we see through the eyes of fear? Here's five or six things that happen when you see with the eyes of the ten spies. Number one is this. Whenever you look through things with the eyes of fear, you always overestimate the issue. Overestimate it. Verse 33 says, we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak. You know, these ten spies, they completely overestimated the issue. Fear always exaggerates. Fear always exaggerates. The media have loved the last two years because they've been able to exaggerate. The media is an interesting one thing, subscriptions, hits, that's what they're interested in. So th they'll do anything they can to get those things, get those algorithms up. 
and fear always uh, overestimates, exaggerates the problem. This is, this is crazy. But when they possessed the land, later on when they went in to possess the land, the descendants of Anak, yes, they were tall, but when they found out the descendants of Anak were not even fighting military men, they were actually described as men of peace. Now think about this. They came back and gave, they gave the same, oh, they, they, they were like giants. They had completely overestimated. These were men of peace. These weren't even fighting giants. You ever heard of a gentle giant? This was a tribe of gentle giants. <laughs> Stevie Mawson, Sam said. See, when you, when you see through the eyes of fear, you build things up in your mind. And these ten, these, ten, these ten spies, they built them up in their mind as giants. They would be overcome by them. And often, uh, you know, you heard, you heard that, that saying, you worry yourself to death. It's exactly what people are doing right now. They're literally worrying themselves to death, worrying themselves in their homes. They won't get, come out of isolation. They are worrying themselves to death. And, you know, I, I've got many weaknesses, but if I have one strength, it says I refuse to worry. I refuse to worry. I want to encourage you, make a decision that worry is not your companion this year. Make a decision you will not allow, because worry and fear always overestimates exaggerates, tells you the worst case scenario in every situation. And uh, so, come on, number, number one, we overestimate the issue. The second thing when we, we, we live with, through the eyes of fear is we underestimate ourselves. We overestimate the issue and we underestimate ourselves. We were like grasshoppers. Talk about low self-esteem. And time to time, we all compare ourselves, like I said, with Dave Field, Dad of the, Dad of the Year, Alan Cooper, husband of the year. The problem is they, they were slaves in Egypt, but even though they'd come out of Egypt, they were slaves in their own mind. And some of you, you're still slaves in your own mind. So you, just because you're Christians, you're still slaves in your own mind. And God wants to bring freedom in your mind. You are no longer a slave. You've got to see yourself different. Stop underestimating yourself. There is far more in you this year. There is far more greatness in you than you can ever know. You've got to tap into it. wonder what you'd try this year if you knew it couldn't fail. Fear always keeps us small. The third thing about seeing through the eyes of fear is you get discouraged. We get discouraged. Numbers 14, one says, the whole community began weeping aloud, and they cried all night. I mean, that's, that's a lot of people crying. That's a lot of tears. I mean, that is a giant pity party. Poor old us, little me, discouragement sets in. We won't get to the, we won't get to the promised land. Whenever you see through the eyes of fear, eventually you get discouraged. I want to encourage you today. Can you see why it's so important to see through the eyes of faith? Supernatural eyes as we move forward. Number four, the fourth thing that happened with eyes of fear is we start grumbling. Verse two, it says, the voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt. There we go. They said it on that side of the Red Sea and then they said it on this side of the Red Sea. They said it twice. 
or even in here in the wilderness, they complained. The first thing is they get discouraged. Whenever discouragement sets in, there's a pattern. Ready? Fear, discouragement, and then grumbling. Start to grumble. Oh, I wonder what life would be like in another church. I wonder what life would be like in another city. I wonder what life, we get discouraged. The first thing we start to do is grumble about where God's put us. And um, I, I found this, that highly critical people are always highly fearful people. The root of, crit, crit, uh, the root of uh, being a critical, a critic, is fear. We see it, this pattern in this story. They wish they were dead. I mean, that's a big thing, isn't it? And then the final part of this is we give up, we blame others, we blame God. Numbers 14.3, we see it again. The next verse is, why is the Lord bringing us to this land? They prefer to make bricks in Egypt. And the Israelites are saying, I think they're basically saying we know better than God. That God's God's lost his his marbles on here. And they remember the good old days of slavery. Do you remember the good old days? You Take your notes right this. It wasn't slavery, it was safety. And some of us would prefer slavery because it's safe. Some of us would prefer to be controlled and told what to do because it's safe. And too many Christians live in safety, but slavery. We prefer to live in slavery in our old habit because it's too uncomfortable to break it. So we'll live slave, we'll just be slaves to the food we eat, we live in. This is why I love 21 days of prayer and fasting because basically our flesh has to die. It's no longer in control. Our spirit is in control. And we, we get to live again. And we prefer to live enslaved by the control of others because it's too uncomfortable to let them go. Someone just needs to delete the number in the phone because you're enslaved to the number. You're enslaved to the, the food. You're enslaved to the person. And we live enslaved because we'd rather live in slavery than actually see through the eyes of the supernatural because it will mean change. And I've seen this pattern so many times in people's lives. The first, the first thing is we overestimate the issue. That's where it starts. Issue comes in. It's bigger than I thought it was. Then we underestimate ourselves. We're not big enough. We can't, we're not good enough. Then we get discouraged. Then we start to grumble. And then the fourth, the fifth and final thing is we start to blame. Shame leads to blame. And we start to blame God and blame others. But Joshua and Caleb had a different spirit. He said, let us go up at once and take possession. For we are well able, well able. Do you know as a church, we're well able to accomplish everything God has placed. There's a thousand people in church this Sunday. How good is that? Well able. We're well able to come through the other side of a pandemic. Well able. We walk by faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, I walk by faith. This is the call. This is, the, this is, the, this is what God has called Soul Church to, to live a life of 
faith of God will. We live believing even when we're not seeing. You know, we, you, you don't have to see to trust. You think about a blind, a blind man, or an, I don't know what the right expression is anymore. Is that the right person? Can you say that anymore? I don't know. A person without sight has a guide dog. What do they do? They walk by faith. They walk by faith in the dog. Because he believes that the dog will see something and it will be translated into a signal that tells him or her when to stop, to go, to turn left or right. Why does the blind person trust the dog? Because the dog has something that the person cannot see. It's called sight. So why do I trust God? Because God has something that I don't have. Sight. And sometimes God will do this. He will pull on the lead and say, stop, John. And sometimes he will say, go. And sometimes he will say, run. And sometimes he will say, rest. But the dog is in control. God is in control. And if I stay connected to this book, the Bible, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. He is my supernatural sight. And today, for some of you, it's unclear. And it makes no sense why God is telling you to stop. And it makes no sense why God is telling you to go. And it makes no sense why this has happened or that is happening in your life. And God is saying, you've got to hold on when it makes no sense. The blind individual must be going, why are we stopping? Why are we stopping? Little does he know there are a red light and there's a, a car about to come past. And there could be some objects that are trying to take us out. And there's been some times I look back on last year and go, why did that happen to me? And then in future you go, I understand now why you allowed me to go through all these things. Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. I've shared this story before, but 2012 we were sitting on a couch in Cape Town, South Africa, and uh, all of a sudden, the word soul church literally just dropped in my head. It was, I wasn't praying. I wasn't doing anything spiritual. We were watching a box set. I remember we were sitting in our apartment. Chantal was over in the kitchen area making a cup of tea. I, said, I just said, the word soul church just literally came out of nowhere. I didn't say anything. I went to soulchurch.com, and it said, for sale, $2,000. We didn't have $2,000. That's like 3 million rand in South Africa. It's a lot of money. <clears throat> this is 2012. This is two years before Soul Church ever even began. We had no planning, nothing. I called mum. She was the only one with money in the family. <laughs> if you need $2,000, come see her afterwards. <laughs> I said, mum, I've got this thing. I said, it's $2,000. Remember, she sent the money over and we bought it. And then for the six, next six, 12 months, nothing. Just nothing. It's like, what do you want me to do with it? Nothing. It was just a red light. Nothing. But we'd bought this soulchurch.com. I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know if it was going to be a bad investment, a good investment. I didn't know anything about it. And 
Sometimes God will show you things on credit. Sometimes God will just give you a little sneaky preview of your future with no details. Because you're not ready for them. I couldn't handle the details. All he said is, I just need you to get that website. And two years later, two and a half years later, we were able to, we started Soul Church and soulchurch.com was, it's a very, it's actually worth a lot of money now. In fact, a church in America offered us a considerable amount of money for the name of the church. And um, I'm not going to tell you, and I'm not going to tell you who it was who offered it as. But you think about the name of our church, it's a brilliant name. It's not a name I came up with. It's not a name that we didn't do a blue sky day with a load of team and think about 20 different names and, you know, eliminate them and come up with one and pray. And we didn't do any of that. God just showed me something on credit. Little did I know that 10 years later, remember this was 2012, now we're 2022, 10 years later, in two weeks' time, we're starting a new building. Sometimes God will show you things a decade in advance, but he'll only give you enough that you can handle. You know what those grapes were? They were just an appetizer. Like that? He said, I just want to show you just a little tease. A little teaser, just some grapes and because I want to tell you about the incredible future I have for the Israeli, the, the Jewish nation, the Jewish people. So he just showed him some grapes. God's going to reveal some things to you this year that you're not ready for, but he's going to give you a little glimpse of your future. Get ready for it. Wait for it. See through the supernatural eyes. Get ready for it. Prepare yourself for it. Giant killing spirit, number one has a revelation of who God is. Number two, a giant killing spirit tests the resources of heaven and a giant killing spirit sees with supernatural, not natural eyes in 2022. Foundations of faith. Thanks again for tuning in. And if you said the salvation prayer today, we'd love for you to email connecttofaith at soulchurch.com so we can talk to you a little bit more about this incredible decision that you've just made. Yeah, you know, and if at any point in the service you felt moved to give towards any of our local or global initiatives, then head to soulchurch.com and click on the giving at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us today. And we hope to see you again soon. God bless.